This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What it do, Hardwood Knox babies? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with one of my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome, squared, fantabulous, spectaculario, utterly exhausted because he's been going to Orange Theory eight times a day, co-host Mo Dakiel. We have a lot of trivial stuff to get to. I shouldn't say trivial, but we have a lot of stuff to get to today that is definitely peak August NBA content. We are here and going to continue talking for all of y'all. Before we get started, though, I just want to continue reminding, imploring, begging, pleading with everyone, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. We can be found wherever else you're consuming your podcast, but those iTunes ratings and reviews are really what help us out most, particularly during the dog days of the summer. So if you haven't yet subscribed, absolutely do that. If you've done that, then please take the five to ten seconds out of your day, search Hardwood Knox on iTunes, throw us that rating, write a review. We're keeping track of them all, and shout out to everyone who has filled one out and given us a rating over the past week. We love you and are forever indebted. Be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at Hardwood Knox. You can also follow and should follow Mo on Twitter, at Mo Dakil underscore MBA. That's at M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Andy can be found at Andrew D. Bailey. He's obviously not with us today. And you should also be following Blue Wire on Twitter, at Blue Wire Pods. Great content being pumped out over there. You can keep track of some of our other podcasts from that account, and then just some great NBA and NFL jokes. Follow at Blue Wire Pods. All of that is now out of the way, which means we get to ask our favorite question that we ask at the top of every show. Mo, how are you doing? I am doing well. I want to add one thing to the housekeeping stuff that you just ran down wonderfully. Dan may love you forever. I only love the five-star reviews. That's Those, fair. Yeah. You give us a five-star review, you will have my heart forever. Um, some I people think I'm heart. Look, give us the five star review, and then if you have any constructive criticism, or if you just want to, you know, yell at Mo, which I'm, I'm here for as well. That that's what the review section's for. Give us the five star ratings, and then write all the mean reviews you want. Yeah, that's that's fine, and you know, you can you can have my heart forever if you do that, even if you yell at me. Uh, sucks for you, I'm heartless, but that's just the way it goes. Uh, I'm 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 doing well, man. I'm doing well, Dan. It's been a little bit since we've been on together, so. Uh, granted, uh, August has been quite a slow month. Yeah, I would say we have a bunch of exciting stuff to get to, but I'm just going to be honest. The truth is we're going to do some news catch up here. And so a lot of fun stuff to talk about. The first thing I'm just going to mention that we're not going to dive into an arrest warrant has been issued for DeMarcus Cousins after he, uh, TMZ released a recording of him threatening, uh, the mother of his seven-year-old son. I believe it was, uh, that warrant is for Alabama, uh, he is also working his way back from a torn ACL. He recently got married, which was the sort of the crux of, of the issue there is that uh, the mother of his child would not let him, would not let the son attend his wedding and ended up not attending. But he threatened her on the phone call. There's been a warrant issued for his arrest. I'm assuming since the warrants issues, they confirmed it's his voice. Just one of those things that you can't really comment on until you get further details. The one note I can say is that I've seen very little of this, but where people are like, everyone's so quick to jump and say, good luck to Marcus when he gets injured, but then this comes out, and where's the criticism? Criticism will be fair once we let the legality of it all play out. As you don't want to, you know, being wrong about an injury or wishing a player luck and recovery from injury, this is obviously a far more serious matter, but when you don't know all the details, and even if you think you do, just we're so far removed from the situation by following this along at a distance that it's really just tough to 
to provide any authentic and useful commentary on it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to risk it here a little bit, Dan. I'm not I'm not talking about the arrest warrant stuff because you you said it very well, like a lot's going on there. I'm not touching that. But the DeMarcus Cousins injury, there were so I had some thoughts about that, obviously, before all this news came out. You know, this is what happens when you don't take care of your body throughout your entire career. You know, the, the, the number of injuries he's had since has been a matter of only now is he beginning to kind of take rehab seriously, take the training room seriously, and it's finally catching up to his body. And, you know, who knows what happens with the, the warrant and everything like that. But I'll be honest, after the news of the ACL injury, I was pretty much like, I think his career is done at this point. Oh, wow. um, and that's before all this other stuff. I just think, you know, three years in a, or two, three massive injuries in two years. I mean, it, all to the legs. I, th- I I just think he's done and it's going to be, he, he, he might not get another job in the NBA again. And people are going to say it's this warrant, the, the, the arrest, this whole thing. Um, but I honestly think it's, it's the, uh, the injuries at this point. Like, I just, I think he's done. Um, that's the way I kind of look at it, uh, from that, that perspective. And that's all I really have to say on cousins. I just think his, uh, um, unfortunate incident there and, and, you know, the, it'll all play out and play out in a way for me not to have to comment on it. Um, as a, as a result of DeMarcus cousins injury, the Lakers ended up signing Dwight Howard. We're a little bit behind eight ball on this, but I was away. So we didn't tackle it, uh, post haste, but, what do you think about assuming he makes it because he's essentially just on this make good contract with the Lakers. It reports are that he's promised that he's going to handle teammates and coaches and everybody better and that he's going to play within his role and yada, 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 yada. He's healthy. We've now seen videos of him um, since the signing with the Lakers. What do you think of, what do you think of this whole thing? It's not even just about his fit. What do you think about the Lakers opting to play this gamble rather than going with someone like Joakim Noah or they even did work out most Bates as well. Yeah. So a lot to kind of unpack. I think the first part of it is we've seen this, we've heard this a lot about Dwight Howard, right? Like I've changed, I'm ready. This is, you know, I'm going to be a new guy. The, the one thing I like to point out is when he's healthy, he's still a 10 and 10 guy, 10 and eight. Like, you know, if he's going to embrace this, the role that they want him to embrace and just kind of be rebounder, roller, and rim protector, like, and, and he's healthy, he can do that in spades for them and, and be really good for the team. And if he's really ready to, and he said it, you know, I'm here to help LeBron and help AD. Like, I think if he understands that he's a role player in that regard, like, I think, you know, that could be a huge huge bump for them. I think he'd be a better fit in that sense than DeMarcus Cousins, honestly, in that situation. You know, all of it is presumptuous, though. It's assuming he's finally healthy. It's presuming he's going to accept the role. And for the Lakers, it's really a no-risk situation, or or low-risk, I should say. You know, uh, they can cut him at any point. It won't affect them money-wise. There's no real reason if he's causing problems, you know, that they can't just wave him right off the bat. And I know I personally would have probably gone with Joe Kim Noah. Like I like him better. I trust him better. I like what he did with Memphis last year, you know, but they're swinging for the fences here with Howard. I think honestly, I think Noah's still going to be available, you know, come February, even, you know, there's, there's nobody really jumping to go sign him and things like that. So if they're not happy with the way things are working in the Howard project, I mean, they can wave him and go bring in Noah or most Bates or whoever, you know, um, I think they're they're shooting for the moon a little bit with Howard, and if it doesn't work out, I honestly think they'll they'll know early and they'll cut him and and, and bring somebody else in. So I I kind of think it was a smart move for them. It it look there were jokes to get <laughs> off when it happened for obvious reasons, but when you look at the bigs that are available out there, there were I forget who reported this, but they said the Lakers wanted a young big and there's just not any young bigs out there. My official take on this is that Anthony Davis is a fucking center and just play him at center full time. Anyone who's against it needs to get over it. I'm just, I'm over this. Just LeBron's a four at this point. He can be more positionless. Anthony Davis is not positionless. Play him at the five. 
there will be opportunities to do that. But if Dwight's healthy and makes the roster and you have JaVale McGee, I'm just interested to see how much of his time uh, Anthony Davis ends up carving out there. That That's his best position, and it's just, you know, end of story. And you have a, a guy in Kyle Kuzma who's, he's a wing, but he's kind of better off as a four anyway. So there's just this trickle-down effect to the way the Lakers seem to be handling Anthony Davis or the way that they're allowing him to dictate which position he's going to play in the end. That The Howard thing with the way the contract works out, it's, I would say it's close to no risk. He's not going to tear the locker room apart from within because he doesn't have that cachet anymore to do so. This isn't Dwight from 2012. This isn't Dwight from 2014, even. This is Dwight Howard in 2019, and he's viewed as you know a role player at best right now. And so I, I kind of do like the aim high, uh, and then if, if it doesn't work out, you can get rid of him. Maybe that's when you go to Joe Kimmel. You know, like you said, he's probably not going to end up on anyone else's roster before training camp anyway it's it's fine mostly but um the Lakers do seem to be going to fairly extraordinary lengths to not play Anthony Davis at the five full-time which to me is mind-boggling well I'm with you on that like there are very few guys I tweeted this out a while ago you know there are very few guys that are capable of winning a championship on their own terms. And it's like, I'm honestly talking about like three or four guys where they can just be like, we're going to win because we're going to win it my way. Everybody else has to be prepared to sacrifice and make changes to their games. And that's really when it ultimately comes together for a championship team. And that's where Anthony Davis has to reside in the fact that like his best position is center. And I'm fine with them protecting him from that for a while or kind of saving him in that regard. So he doesn't have to do it much during the regular season, but he needs to be doing it in closing time and he needs to be ready to do it in the playoffs. Cause that's really when it matters. And if they're playing big minutes between McGee and Howard, that's a problem for me. I'm with you on that stuff. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I just think it's a good move. I think it's a chance that gives them a extra weapon. I still think we'll see a, a pretty good amount of Davis at the five though. We better. Because that'll be something people will harp on if if we do not. Are you coming? Are you coming out here and burning down Staples Center if they don't? I would never burn down anything, but I'll, I'll get tweets off. That's that's what'll happen. Okay, okay, we'll get tweets off. Okay. <laughs> Joe Johnson has been working out for just about everybody, it seems, uh, because he's played so well. He is the big three MVP. Played so well there. The undefeated Mark J Spears reported that Joe Johnson will or or has. Uh, as we record this, work work out with the Philadelphia 76ers. He's also expected to uh, be viewed by the Clippers, the Bucks, the Denver Nuggets, and I believe the Pelicans are interested as well because another news item to get to, uh, Darius Miller, who they just signed to a two-year deal this summer, uh, non-guaranteed for next year. There were people that were up in arms with the amount. I actually liked it because he's not the quickest shooter, but he's a, he's a floor spacer and can knock down a, a lot of threes. But he has a, a torn Achilles, and so that's going to be rough to come back from. He's certainly not going to be playing next year, you would guess. What do you make of Joe Johnson? Do you think he can help an NBA team right now? If you had to pick of that gaggle, and I, I can read it back, uh, which would make the most sense for him between the Sixers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Nuggets, and, and I'm going to throw the Pelicans on that list as well if, if they're not on there officially yet. The honest truth is he makes sense for all those teams in oh, the sense on. of no, 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 stop, stop. He may, I mean, he's just a guy off the bench though. It's not like he's playing major minutes. He's a guy that's coming in playing 10, 15 minutes a game. Like it's not, listen, this isn't, everybody's going nuts about it. Let's just be honest. The big three is not an NBA game. They're playing half court. They're clearing the, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know, there's a whole lot more space. You, he, he can play, he can shoot. Those are skills he can spot up in the corner and do all that stuff. And he makes sense for all those teams. If I'm him, I'm looking probably at the Clippers and Philly just because those teams have championship aspirations. I think that's probably where I would look if I was him. But it's like we're going kind of too nuts here on this whole thing. Like this is it, it, it's great. And if he can sign on our roster, good for him. But it's not like he was killing it when he was with Houston. That was his last team, right? Houston. Um, at least that's the last team I could remember. It's not like he was killing it and he was so amazing that everybody felt like, oh, 
we should have Joe Johnson back. He didn't play last year. There's a reason behind it. Teams weren't blown away by it. Now he's improved. He proved it in the big three of like, hey, I could still shoot. I could still score. I can still do some things. That's going to be interesting. He's not going to move the needle one way or another for a championship team. He's just not. It's not. He's not playing 25, 30 minutes a game. He's playing 10 minutes, going to hit a couple of shots maybe, and that's about it. He also did not play well in his final season in the NBA. He was – he was interesting at the when he played minutes at the four for Utah in 2016-2017, but 2017-2018 didn't shoot the ball well with Utah or Houston. And so I just question, this is just August NBA content. We're really giving guys workouts based off how they've played in the big three. I'm not saying he couldn't make an NBA roster in a vacuum. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know which team would actually give him minutes on that list. Maybe Denver because all their wings always seem to get injured at some point. That just seems like a, a status quo for them. I just have trouble believing that he's even useful as a guy that you can rely on to play those 10 to 15 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean it's not a I mean I don't mind them giving him a workout and and every team should be willing to kick the tires and take a look if there's a guy they like that they saw in the big 3 like hey, let's see if he still has it or whatnot. But you know like there are certain guys that are killing it in the big three where it's like, come on, man. Like we all know they're not NBA players. It's a whole different game. It's a different vibe. I mean, like you said, he did not shoot the ball well at all. Was he hurt that last year? I mean, he shot 27% from three. Like really? He's old. Players get old. All right. Well, uh, old, you know, so, you know, who knows what's the, how he got back and, whatnot but like again like i just i don't buy him being it's like you said it's august and we're all bored here's content i care about jeremy lynn signed a contract with the beijing ducks mo why did boston and or portland miss out by not signing him did they miss out (laughs) i'm sorry portland did portland needs a backup point guard i feel like there's too much pressure on Anthony simons to just be really good right away there and he's blazer fans will be quick to point this out as they have been he's supposed to be this sleeping giant for them just who's their backup playmaker is it, it who is it is are they finally gonna more rigidly stagger minutes for mccollum and and lillard particularly after the playoff run that that cj mccollum had he absolutely annihilated uh defenses during the playoffs is it can Bays more are they gonna look for rodney hood and mario zonia to play some point wing i'm just I still think Jeremy Lin, he was good with the Hawks. He couldn't stay healthy. And if they know something about his health that I do not, that is fine. And it's not like he's played much over the past couple of years. He was legitimately good in Atlanta. Is someone who can get into the lane, get to the line, and we've seen him play off the ball a little bit throughout his career. I'm not saying, you know, this isn't Circa De Mello saying he should be playing, starting and playing 20, 25 minutes a game. I just feel like he's someone who belongs in the NBA. I mean, it's just slowly kind of running its course with some of these guys. You know, I feel like he will he's be had a good- like the stuff of folklore with the Beijing Ducks, though. That's the same team Stefan Marbury played. He's got what, like a cadre of statues out there at this point, I believe. He has a museum. There you go. We should take we should be first off. Blue Wire should send you, me, and Andy on a trip to explore the you Stephon Andy, Marbury Museum. I'm going to make it even cheaper. Andy wasn't didn't care enough to come on the podcast and talk about Jeremy Lin signing with the Beijing Just. So just, just me and you. We'll, we'll keep the expense expenses a little lower. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, you don't even have to come. They can just send me if we're really <laughs> just going to start cutting costs. <laughs> um, but I just I. Uh, his time as a meaningful NBA player, though, I think is kind of over. Like, all right, he did it for Atlanta when there was nothing at risk. Like, young team, low expectations. It's just kind of, I don't buy it. You're, you, can, you can make the case that Portland does need a backup point guard, and maybe they should have gone with him. But at the same time, you know what? You got to give Simon some chances. You know, you can't. You want to see what he has. And at a certain point, you just got to throw him into the fire and be like, yo, you're going to perform, man. It's it's that case, it's that is now or never. Sorry, I'm stuttering. Um, it's just one of those things. See, and you're I'm triggered, shocked. too, that Jeremy Lin is not an NBA roster right now. I no, like I'm that. triggered that you're, you're on this side of like, why isn't he in the league? It's like, you know, 
I mean, he didn't even really contribute anything in the playoff run. I mean, it's he had like a back injury. And I'm saying if there's a problem with his health, I get it. But I also I'm a I'm a bleeding heart. And so seeing the the video of where he was just really upset and kind of feels like he's been cast out of the NBA, that sort of I sort of felt for that. At the same time, he was actually helpful to the Atlanta Hawks for for roughly half the season. And so unless this is a chronic back issue or just you don't think that he can even be on the floor because he's so injured. I'm I'm just curious. Maybe this is a situation where he balls out in China and then he's going to get picked up mid-season or something. Who knows? I mean, that really can, that's something that I would almost expect. But also like him going on and 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 we could even talk about Melo kind of complaining that everybody kind of felt like they've gotten sort of uh, uh just overlooked or whatnot. This is what happens when people get older. When NBA players get older, this is the type of stuff that happens. It's just the way it works, you know? This is, at a certain point, there are guys who you just kind of fade away and you're no longer looking to bring them back, you know? where? How did Jason Williams' career end? You know what I mean? It's just kind of like he was a free agent, nobody signed him, then he retired. It was just kind of that simple. Uh, Joe Johnson's a great example. I mean, now these guys go from nobody signs them to playing in the big three. It's it's not a uh, you're not it's, it's not a right like just because you were in the league for X amount of years doesn't mean, hey, you automatically get a chance the next year. Like there are times where teams just want to move on. And I think, you know, Portland's a good example. They want to play their young guy and see what he can do. And maybe it becomes a situation when Lynn becomes available at the midseason or whatever. You know, and their guy's struggling. They go, okay, well, let's bring Jeremy in. He really did kill it in China. We should maybe we should have signed him in the first place. Now we have a chance to fix that. But it ain't really a big deal at the end of the day. Spencer Hawes worked out for the Sixers on Thursday. Well, my question to you is why? That was my thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I want to look up what he did in the. He was in the G League last year, right? He was in the G League. That's what I thought. I read somewhere. Uh, I'm gonna pull. I'm pulling that up, but really, yeah. I mean, again, you're you're kind of doing your due diligence. You're you're checking to see what you got. He can shoot. You had all of that. Um, he's in the SBL. What's the S? Oh, he was a South Bay Laker. Oh, he was in LA. Wow. Wow. And they chose Dwight Howard over him. That's rough stuff. He put up some pretty good numbers in the G League. I mean, listen, he played nine games. <laughs> Now that I'm looking at it, but put up 14 points, shot 45% from three, seven rebounds, four assists. Not a bad idea to have him as your third big or fourth big or however many bigs they have. Is his age on that page? Because I don't want to ask you this if you already know the answer. Uh, hold on. I can I can pull it up. No, I don't yeah. want you to know his age. I want to ask you if you if how old do you think he is? I mean, he's got to be like 33. He's 31, and he only turned 31 at the end of April. And he's 7-1, so I mean, like, okay, you know, it's what's interesting is I'm curious how he plays in the locker room because he is a hardcore Republican. Yeah. And this is a fairly liberal league, so I'm curious about that. Yeah, that's um, him and Andrew Bogut, just maybe Andrew Bogut's not in Philly, but they uh, they are the NBA's... I guess foremost player Republicans. There are probably others we know about. Gordon Hayward. Um, well, well, here's the thing about Bogut. Bogut can't vote. He's Australian. He doesn't count for us. Like you know, and and the other thing too. Yeah, but he's loud on Twitter and annoying. Yeah, and and the the thing about Bogut is I'm not even sure how much he believes of this and how much of it is him just trying to stir the spot the pot. You know, he's the kind of guy that just kicks dust up around, you know, to be contrarian, to be contrarian sometimes. So I wouldn't be shocked. He's got to get a job at like, Fox Sports then. Eh, a lot of guys can get that. Um, if they're listening, I'm available. I'll be happy to do it. Uh, <laughs> if you want a contrarian, you need to sign Mo Dacchio. I'll do whatever y'all. Listen, you guys pay me health benefits. I'm in. The, I've buried the lead on some of these because I didn't want you to guess what was coming. I told you I had a, a ton of bulleted list of, of stuff, but there are a lot of, I don't want to say layers, but there are, are many Nets-related things to get to at this point. I want to go a little bit more in detail on the Karis LeVert extensions. I'm going to save that until after these two nuggets. Wilson Chandler has been suspended by the NBA for 25 games next season for testing positive on the, the drug was called, I'm going to mispronounce it, 
Ipa Morellan, whatever it was, his statement to Woj was, during my injury rehab process, before I signed with the Nets, I was prescribed a treatment that included small doses of a substance recently added to the NBA's prohibited substance list. I did not realize the substance was banned, and neither did the doctor. I accept responsibility and apologize to my Nets teammates, coaches, front office, and fans for this mistake. I will continue to work hard to prepare for this upcoming season. Related, I don't know how recently it was added to the banned list. It was added per Woj before the 2016-2017 season. That's kind of a long time. Now, since Wilson Chandler, who is a combo forward, won't be available for 25 games, the mellow jokes have been making the round, especially because he scrimmaged with the Knicks, who were working out Hashim to beat, and then there are other names that were presumably in that 5-on-5 scrimmage since we're eight players short (laughs) there. I need to know who was there, and I also need to know how mellow felt Kind of, was he making good on that first take appearance? Like, I'll do anything it takes to maybe possibly, if I'm lucky, get back in the NBA. And does does Brooklyn make sense as sort of a landing spot for him now? Uh, 25 games is a quarter of the season, and Wilson Chandler isn't exactly a billboard for good health over the past few years. And then there there is, per Frank Azola of The Athletic, that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are reportedly pushing for the team to sign Melo. This is the Nets. Have they used up all their goodwill? They already made the Nets overpay DeAndre Jordan. Can they get yeah. Melo on the team as well? Does it make sense? All right, you asked like 15 questions. Just remember, and the that- Karis LeVert extension is outside the purview of that rant. Yeah, we're not even going into that one yet. You've asked 15 Nets questions in a span of like four minutes. Um, the The banned substance thing, like, yeah, dude, 16, 17, like that's, you don't have an excuse. Your doctor doesn't have an excuse. Your trainers, whoever, none of them have an excuse in terms of like, oh, what was recently added to the ban list. No, it wasn't. That was two, three years ago. That that doesn't count. That wasn't recently added. You had enough time to figure that one out. So you get no sympathy from me there. Uh, I think the. That was very Fox Sports of you. This is going to be your reel that we send. This is this is my audition. Uh, <laughs> um, the idea of Mello and the Nets, like, why not? I mean, my <laughs> Jeremy Lin can't play for Portland, but yeah, why not put Mello on Brooklyn? No, I mean, like, here's the thing: they've already caved once to the demands of uh, Kyrie and KD, like. You know, you might as well just like my thing with the Nets is like this year is kind of a, a useless year because we're really just waiting for KD to come back the next season. And that's when we're like, OK, this is the team we've, we've been waiting for. So, you know, take a flyer on him. You're going to need I, I personally actually you know what? No, we're going to talk about Levert. You know, you don't need Melo. You have enough guys on that team. You know, I honestly I don't see the point in it. You know, and Mel is willing to do anything. That's fine. I'm not necessarily buying into the fact, though, that it's like this is a great fit. If you sign him, fine. I don't expect him to play much. I I really don't. And and I'm getting tired of Kyrie and KD sort of trying to dictate these these terms of like you should bring in this guy. No, dude, you you're a player. You know, we'll ask you for input on guys, and and we'll take it in. But at this point, this is getting stupid. Like, you know <laughs> the. Let's just be honest here. Like you, you, you had you signed DeAndre Jordan in a four-year, forty million dollar deal to get these guys, and you have a guy that's better than DeAndre Jordan in Jared Allen, whose growth is going to be stunted by this. Like you, it just doesn't make much sense to me, and I'm 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 over it. I almost feel like if you're Sean Marks, you have to kind of be like, Nah, man, we're putting our foot down. No, we're not. We're not signing Melo. Like, you know, unless they find actual basketball value in it, I just don't see it. They already have enough guys. You know, you have Dinwiddie, you have Levert, you have, you know, Joe Harris is going to need to get his touches. You know, he's a shooter for them. He's going to help spread the floor. Like you got the guys, like you, you don't Kurtz need somebody. And Musa too. Those are guys yeah. who can get buckets. Like you don't need somebody else to take the ball out of these young guys' hands. You know, you don't need somebody that needs to get five to 10 shots. And I don't care what Melo says. When he gets on the court, he's going to want to get those shots up. And I don't care how many damn videos we see of him in the gym. We've seen what summer Melo, hoodie Melo, all that stuff looks like. It doesn't translate to the NBA game. It just doesn't come over. So I'm kind of over it. 
I'm, it would be, we've already said that this entire offseason has kind of been a flex on their culture when you look at them signing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now you're going to add Melo to it. Functionally, I still think there's a case to be made just because you don't have Kevin Durant this season. And if you're looking for another proven score, you know, Kuroots isn't there just yet. Uh, you have Torian Prince as well. If you're just looking for another veteran score, Melo, in theory, can hopefully be that guy for 15 minutes a game. And in a season where you don't have Kevin Durant, maybe, again, there's that utility there for him. However, you go from having Spencer Dinwiddie, high-character vet now, in the locker room still, good, great, grand. But you go from having guys like Damari Carroll, Ed Davis in there, uh, along with Spencer Dinwiddie, to now all of a sudden, Melo and KD and, and Kyrie Irving. I just, who is going to be the voice of reason, the loud voice of reason in that locker room aside from Kenny Atkinson? Spencer Dinwiddie will be right there. I have no if, ends, or you know, buts about that. There's got to be someone else. And so this, or maybe there doesn't have to be, but if you're going to bring in Melo after bringing in Kyrie and KD, neither of whom to this point is, I do think I make jokes about Kevin Durant, but I'm just one of those people who acknowledges that Kevin Durant, people... The people who are actually uncomfortable or angry at Kevin Durant, they just can't reckon with the fact that he's a person and has insecurity and is too, and is so similar to, I think, the way that us average peeps, I'll call us, will act. And so I can respect that about him. I'm still going to get the jokes off. That's, that's just the caveat. I'm just saying it would be quite the flex on the Nets' culture after already flexing a bunch this summer to then bring in Melo now. See, like you call it a flex. I'm like, you're just taking a risk over and over again. I've said it many times. This is a, this has been the off season of the pretty girl batted their eyes at the nerds, which are the nets in this case. And the nerds immediately ditched their friends to go chase after the pretty girl. And, you know, we've seen how that movie ends over and over again. It never ends up. There's always that whole drama where the nerd becomes like super cool for a minute. And then, you know, everything turns to crap after that. So, you know, I, I think they're playing with fire, you know, like the, nothing pisses me off more than the Nets throwing away their culture. And I get it. Chance to sign Kyrie and KD, you you go do it. But at the same time, I'm like, I, I wasn't expecting them to kind of make the turn that they made to all of a sudden just say, like, our culture doesn't matter after they've spent, you know, three seasons building that culture up. It It, it, it was kind of surprising. So I'm still kind of. Uh, almost hurt by it you know like i almost feel like you they feel left personally the attacked table. yeah i'm almost like wow like that's that's really shocking they took a risk with d'angelo russell like that was the running joke a while ago and it was like well as a young guy they feel like their culture is strong enough and now they're willing to gamble on Kyrie, who basically took a wrecking ball to the celtics and now he's going to do it with the nets maybe i mean you know it's good luck man good luck Sean Marks you know Kenny Atkinson a lot of headaches coming your way and if you just keep bending to these guys' will you're never really going to have any control Hardwood Knox listeners we have some breaking news finally at long last after what feels like forever times forever times forever the NFL preseason is drawing to a close and the NFL regular season is upon us all those moves that have taken place over the past few months are finally going to matter Antonio Brown to the Raiders, Le'Veon Bell with the Jets, Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns. The one thing that hasn't changed, where I'm putting my money down on all of these NFL games. My bookie is the place to bet on football every weekend. And our Blue Wire podcasters are already using mybookie.com slash bluewire to sign up this year. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000, and it only costs $100 to enter. All you gotta do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. MyBookie also has live in-game betting on every single NFL game. They've got the most rewarding player perks in the business as well, and for all you fantasy nuts out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. My bookie. Bet. Win. Get paid. Something that I think maybe you will like about the Nets, they gave Paris LeVert a three-year, $52.5 million extension on his birthday, no less. 
uh, on Kobe's birthday, the Lakers signed Dwight Howard. On Karis LeVert's birthday, they gave fun. him a three-year, $52.5 million extension. He is now 25 for anyone who cares about that, which you sort of should. I am going to give my opinion first. I liked this because it seemed just sort of like the perfect hedge. If he's the player that he was at the beginning of last season before he suffered the dislocated ankle, I believe it was. Forgive me if I'm misquoting that. He's had a bunch of injuries, and I feel like we just deal with a ton more injuries now in the NBA than ever. But anyway, if he becomes that player, this is an adequate gamble because his peak price point will be $18.8 million in the third and final year, and that's not ridiculous for a fringe all-star caliber player. Then if it doesn't work out, you already kind of punted on next season because you don't have Kevin Durant. And then you have the safety nets that are KD and Kyrie. Over the next two years, your mistake is ostensibly short-lived. And again, if it does pan out, not only do you have a contract that ages really well, but you have that affordable number three that championship teams often, if they're not going to be lucky enough to have the three megastars, championship caliber teams often struggle to get. And I, I like that deal then for both sides, because yes, maybe it's Karis LeVert left some money on the table, but we've just watched, you know, DeMarcus Cousins get injured a bunch. Kevin Durant got injured before uh, he entered free agency. Kawhi Leonard uh, has been dealing with injuries for the past couple of years. And LeVert isn't at the level of Leonard or Durant. His case is might even be just more uh, it might just be even more difficult than Cousins is because at least Boogie had that previous star clout where Levert's never really had. And so if he gets injured again, who knows what the market ends up being for him. And so to take that financial security, I think this is this is still very clearly life-changing money. And it sounds, when you say he's going to get paid between 16 and $18.8 million a year, that's actually a sizable amount for him. But for the team and the player that they're hoping that he is, it's really not that monstrous of a gamble. Yeah, I honestly think this was a great deal for the Nets. I don't even think it's a gamble. I mean, if we look at it this way, if he doesn't get hurt, he's probably way more expensive than this deal. Like he ends up playing himself into a bigger deal. This is one of those things where it was like he had injury history. So he's going for the security. Now the Nets are locking him in at a good price. It's he was the guy that was closing games for them early last season until he dislocated his ankle. Um, and we were all pull up threes too. That was just a part of his game. He was really good. And he was was, effectively a point forward for them. He was the Nets best player period. Right. You know, early on to start that season. And he would have been the all-star, not D'Angelo Russell. And it's not a shade on Russell. It's just, this is the way it would have, if it kept going the way it was progressing, you know, and, and that would have made him even more expensive. So, you know, this is this is the nerdy Nets, smart Nets that I like, that I'm going to miss when they continue to ch- chase after all these big names to keep Kyrie and KD happy. Um, but this was just a smart deal. It was smart for both sides. You know, for Levert, you know, yeah, he left money on the table, but also he just keeps getting injured. So at least he's getting some security, and it's a hell of a deal. And, you know, you kind of said something that I really liked. It's, you know— for a championship level team, you need that third option. And we've seen it many times where guys who are third options getting paid second option money for the Nets, they're paying their third option guy third option money. And it makes sense. So I think it's just a good deal all around. I, you know, I, I, I just slammed them a few moments ago and now I got to give them a little bit of praise on this one. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a good deal for them. Something else in the fire, Lonzo Ball in a song basically said the Lakers are going to regret their decision to to trade him for Anthony Davis. I can only take that to mean that he must be really ridiculously high on the future of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, as I am. He did say, though, I'm not dissing anybody. I love my time in L.A. I use my music as an outlet to express things that happen in my life. Hashtag 50 and 30 out now. Let me know y'all favorite track. What do you what do you make of this? Is this just an unforgivable slight at the Lakers organization, or is this peak August NBA content? <laughs> I I don't even know if it's peak August NBA con- content because I didn't even know that happened. You're like, welcome. And I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm see this is why this podcast is good. I'm breaking news to you now. Yeah, you're 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 dropping bombshells. I don't know if I care at all about them, but you're dropping some that I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Look, man, like good on him. You should have that motivation after anybody, whenever they get traded, should have that motivation of like, I'm going to show you, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. I make that trade a thousand times. You know, if, if I got him, I would have moved Lonzo for less. Um, I, it's, I, I would, it's just one of those things where why wouldn't the Lakers make that deal? And then why wouldn't Lonzo ball have faith in himself? Yeah, like okay, this is this is what I want. I would be more disappointed if Lonzo did a rap song about like, no, they totally should have traded me for Anthony Davis. Like one, that would have been a terrible rap song, and two, I would have just looked at him going like, dude, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Like you might think it, you, I, if you're smart, you probably are thinking it, but like, you know, have that confidence in yourself and have that belief. It takes you a far way. It takes you a long way in this game. So, um, I think the Pelicans are going to be good. I think he has a chance. You know what I want to see from Lonzo? Just play 80 games. Play 70 games. I was about to say 80. Just, just, just make play it through the end of March. Yeah. Just, just, just make it to the end of March. Like, just just get there. Because we haven't even seen that yet. But, you know, so it's funny. Like, you know, yeah, pump out your rap albums all you want. Because at some point, man, you either got to be healthy or you're not going to have much of a career. Something else that is sort of whatever. But looks like Zatra Pachulia is done playing in the NBA. He's transitioning to the front office of the Golden State Warriors. What say you about that? Is this really just the Warriors rewarding him for taking Kawhi Leonard out three years ago now? Wow, we're going there. <laughs> he will um, if um if you want to know his official title, he he is uh the club he's with the Warriors as what is his even team title? I'm even looking at this. As a consultant. Oh, I thought he had a fancy title. No, Zaza Pachulia has rejoined the Warriors as a consultant. He's joining the ranks of Steve Nash as a consultant because that's of equal level. What is he consulting? Their goon that, yeah. factor? I don't. I don't I, understand. I, I don't know, but you know what? It, listen, I I'm never mad at somebody getting a job and getting paid unless it's a job I was going for. Um, you know, good for him. You know, it's it's kind of like Jeremy Lin. He was fading away, so at least he found his next career. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the usefulness for a guy like Zaza Pachulia is slowly kind of eroding in the NBA just in the sense of, like, you know, he doesn't do much. You know, besides getting guys hurt and being reckless, you know, I, it, yeah, I mean, I won't be surprised, though, if at some point, like, midway through the season, they have a couple bigs go down, you know, Zaza comes back and plays for the Warriors. Comes back and plays for the Warriors? What? Did you I actually just shocked. say that? If if he gets if if like Looney gets hurt and whatever uh uh Willie Colley Stein gets injured and they're 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 really short on bigs, you know I could see them going like all right well why don't you come back for you know finish the year out on a prorated contract I mean he would he wouldn't be doing it on the consultant salary but he'd be you know I could I could see it happening if they get desperate enough. In my notes we're backtracking here it says ask Mo this question next to the Karis Levert stuff. <laughs> Jalen Brown or Karis LeVert for the rest of their careers? Ooh. Uh, I think you got to go Karis LeVert. Like, if he doesn't get hurt, he's an all-star. Uh, I don't think Jalen Brown's an all-star. And I love Jalen Brown. Uh, and it's not just because he's learning Arabic, uh, which also makes me look bad because I don't speak my native tongue. Um, or I guess because I was born here in the States, my native tongue is English, so I do speak. I don't know. We'll let you know other people decide that for me. Um the I think uh, I just think Levert's a better player at the end of the day. I, I think Brown's better defensively, but I think overall, I think you got to just go with Levert. There's going to be more offensive versatility there with Levert, where he it looks like he can run half court sets, and I don't know, and I would guess not whether if Jalen Brown can ever get there. I don't think it's that's. I have never seen him really work on it. I just don't think that's in Jalen Brown's game. Um, I think Jalen Brown's game is going to be. So is going to evolve into a just three and D guy with the ability of maybe cutting back door for dunks or, or, uh, you know, a strong penetration, but I don't see him kind of creating in any sort of way, the way Levert does. Yeah. That I think that's all fair. Do you think Jalen Brown's going to end up getting in an extension or entering restricted free agency? I think he's going to go in restricted free agency. I think it makes sense for him more than, than for the Celtics to kind of just up his value. You know, I th- I think he's poised to have a big year. I think they're going to play small a lot, if I had to guess. 
when I look at Boston just because the lack of bigs they have. But I think, you know, they're going to, I think you're going to see a lot of Jalen Brown and this is his opportunity signing an extension off of the season that he just ended. That was really up and down, although he came on strong at the end. I think, you know, he, he might be leaving some money on the table, whereas he can just go and wait for restricted free agency, have a chance to really make some money. I would agree with everything there. And I don't know who the last player Boston signed to an extension was. It almost feels like they're just going to let this well, ride out. Well, they free. signed, didn't they sign, was it Avery Bradley or Mar- Marcus Smart? How many years ago? Br- Marcus Smart was in free agency. Avery Bradley signed his extension. Oh my God, was that 2015, 2014? It was before the summer of 2016 because I, I remember there was stuff. He was just one of the players that was like, oh, didn't hit the market at the right time. And so I'm looking this up now when he signed his extension with Boston. That's a long time ago though. Yeah, it was. You're right. Maybe. I mean, 2014 is when he signed his extension. And wasn't that, was that in restricted free agency as well? I thought that was an extension. I'm going to look that up very quickly, but I'm, but you know, I'll tell you who they will sign to an extension is Jason Tatum. (laughs) What actually? Okay, what happens if Jason Tatum doesn't have a good year next season? Are, are they a lock to do that? Uh, I think they do it. I think they. I think they approach him with it. Whether he whether he signs it or not, it's a different story. But are you, I think. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Avery Bradley was not an extension. He was a restricted free agent, four years, oh. twenty-two million. Okay, then I have no idea when was the last time they did it. That I should have researched. If anyone knows, who's the last player that the Celtics signed to an extension? Is it like the Knicks? I think the last player they signed to an extension was Clyde. I'm not sure. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, I don't, you're the contract nerd, not me. Yeah, I didn't even, that's not even something I really thought about. But that's part of the reason why I think that Jalen Brown enters restricted free agency. I don't know. You you risk him getting a monster offer sheet, but you might, if I'm him, and now I'm seeing these guys who have signed already, I've never had major health problems. I'm going to let this ride out and know that I'm probably going to get near max money. And then if you're the Celtics, if that's what you have to pay for him anyway, you might as well, or if that's what he's demanding, you might as well then let it ride out into restricted free agency and maybe you get lucky or, or just to have the smaller cap hold to work with. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's it's smart for them. Um, you know, I, I think it's smart, smarter for Jalen Brown. If they can get him at the money they want to get him at, then they do it. But, you know, and, and, and you make the phone call, Hey, we're thinking extension. What are you guys thinking? You know, what's the number you guys would sign an extension at? Like, Oh, okay, cool. We'll talk to you guys in uh, July. Um, I, I think that's kind of the way I would look at it if I were them. That's uh, yeah. I, I think that's how you sort of have to look at it. The only other thing I really have for you, well, I mean, I guess two things, because this is really big news that we have to get to. The Mavericks have claimed center Eric Holman off waivers. He went undrafted out of Mississippi State and was recently waived by the Lakers on an Exhibit 10 contract. Do you think that he's going to end up having a better career than Kristaps, Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, and or Boban? Are you just trying to be an asshole? Yeah, I'm trying to be an asshole. The thing I actually wanted to ask you... Did you end up listening to the 30 for 30 podcast series on the Clippers and the Sterlings with Ramona Shelburne over at ESPN? No. And it's as I'm, I'm a hundred, I know it's great, but I lived it, you know, and I know there's stuff in there that I probably don't know and I should go and listen to, but I lived it and I'm tired of giving Sterling any more energy, any more of my time. You know, um, I, I, I've experienced the Sterling experience, not to the level a lot of people have. A lot of my stuff are just like goofy and, and kooky stories. Um, but it's like, you know, he's a bad dude. He was a bad owner. We all knew this. We all knew he was racist. That None of this was a surprise to anybody who worked in the organization, you know, when these tapes came out. We we're like, oh, he finally got caught for it. I mean, people have to remember a deposition he gave in 2006 you know, was made public and, you know, if people want to look it up and go through it. I mean, it's the same. He's womanizing. He's a slumlord. I mean, uh, he, you just walk away going, he's a terrible human being to the point that my mother who doesn't follow sports at all, all one day stumbled upon this in the paper, you know, early on and, and was like, you know, that's who you work for. I'm like, yep, that's who signs my checks, you know, and, and that's just the way it works. 
Well, and the the reason, I, because I know you were working for them at the time, or, or worked for him, worked for them while he was there. The thing that I've always kind of grappled with on this situation, and one of the thing, one of the things I've grappled with. The other thing I want to make clear: there are enough white men commenting on this, so I know I'm just another one of just another one of those fish in the sea that are, that are annoying to hear about. So I apologize there, but I really struggle on how to view. Shelly Sterling throughout all this because there's a part of me yes she was definitely a victim to some extent but she was also very culpable when you look at all the stuff that Donald Sterling did beyond this specific Clippers soap opera where you have all those housing discrimination cases and I just don't by the end of the podcast what I was stunned to find out everyone needs to listen to it the 30 for 30 by ESPN I feel comfortable now saying this. It's been out for almost two weeks, so this can't count as a spoiler. The fact that they're back together is just Shelly Sterling and Donald Sterling, effectively. That makes it even tougher for me if I'm trying to reconcile my feelings on Shelly Sterling. And that's just the most difficult part for me in the aftermath of all this. And the final note I have, because, again, you don't hear from enough white males on this, right? I was a little bit disappointed that we've still gotten to the point where People thought that the players of the Clippers should have done more in the aftermath of that in terms of protest because it would have been fine if they did boycott or something, but the NBA knew who Sterling was and what he was about for not just years, but decades, basically. And I think it's unfair that we looked or that people at the time or still might lament it, that they looked to the players for something more, that all of a sudden this was the their responsibility to to provide that profound rebuke when Donald Sterling and who he was had just been around the NBA for decades by that time. And they could have, if whatever they would have done, I would have supported because that was their right. But I also don't think the burden should have fell upon them to that degree, just because we knew this is all of us, the fans, the the media, the NBA itself knew who, who Donald Sterling was and and so that was just something that I thought in the time and then Mark J Spears mentioned something he's a fantastic writer for the undefeated about it on the podcast and I think even he noted along with Ramona Shelburne and when she talked with Zach Lowe on his podcast about it uh, that the players don't play for Donald Sterling and that's why they reached the decision that they did and even Mark J Spears understood it I just don't ever think that it should have been on the players to provide that type of just I don't even know what the word that that profound rebuke again would be the best way to put it in that situation. Well, there. I, l- let me touch on both those points with the Shelly Smith situation uh, or Shelly Sterling. Sorry, um, she's old. Old people do weird things. Like there's that whole, that whole the, the multi-millionaire billionaire level society does. It, it just none of it makes sense to me. I feel like. Almost like you watch the show Secession and it's kind of just weird, you know. And then you add in that she's super old at this point and he's super old at this point. Like, I, I'm i not shocked that she's she's back with him. I, it, none of that shocks me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sad for her I'm, I'm in, in that regard and everything that happened. But, you know, she, she definitely played the role as an enabler as well and throughout that throughout his whole time, um, throughout his run. But the 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 thing I really want to touch on is the, the player should have protested more. I'm just going to say this loud and clearly. Cause I was there and, and that was my last year in the, in the NBA. And I was with the team. There's not a bigger load of bullshit than the player should have, should have done more. I mean, you have people who are screaming at the top of their lungs. You guys got a boycott. How dare you play for Sterling? This and that, like we're going to forfeit playoff games. To because of Sterling, like, right? They, I think the way Blake Griffin put it, or maybe it was Ryan Hollins or Matt Barnes, they weren't in the huddle. One, two, three, Sterling. Donald, let's play for Donald Sterling or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean it's completely rubbish. And like I've seen people on Twitter now say, like all they did was throw their shirts down. You know, we did that, and then every team in the playoffs that played the next couple of games before we played again. We're doing the same thing, kind of in solidarity. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't a profound thing. It wasn't this whole thing. By the way, this was all dumped on the players in between games three and four. Like, it's not like you have enough time to process everything. And the people who are like, hey, we should, 
you know, we, we should expect these guys to just, they've worked so hard all year to get to the playoffs to just throw it away because of Sterling. Like, no, get the hell out of here. Like, that's just a waste of time there, you know? And the truth is too, both teams, the Clippers and the Warriors were prepared to boycott game five had silver not come down with the lifetime ban. Like that's something that's kind of, I don't know if it was reported in the Ramona thing or whatnot, but like I've heard rumors for sure while there that there was going to be a possibility that these guys were all watching to see what silver did. Cause this was his first big move to having taken over for Stern. And you know, if he, if the players weren't happy with it, I think both teams were just not going to play that game and really kind of show their, their uh, uh, really kind of their power. But you know, I don't think it's fair to expect these guys to kind of have that type of protest. It's not a, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to put that on them. And also now when we look at it in 2019, you know, 2014 wasn't as angry as it is now, you know, it wasn't, we're going to protest everything now. And we have actual legitimate reasons to protest things. You know, 2014 wasn't like that. There's kind of a revisionist sort of history or we're trying to put on what we feel now into what was going on in 2014. And that's not how that shit works. So, you know, for me, nothing pisses me off more than people who are saying like the players didn't do enough. The players didn't have to do a damn thing. If you want the honest truth, even throwing down their shirts or wearing a black armband, they didn't have to do any of that. And, and, and they were still feeling the effects of it. And it's always the people who have nothing to lose are the ones telling you to give up something, you know, or, or, or protest or things like that. And, you know, it's just not right. And I feel like it's, it's like you said, it's very unfair to the, to the players to, um, kind of put that on them. That's not on them, you know, and, and we all knew who we were working for to begin with. That's the big thing that I keep coming back to. And it's probably what remains the most disappointing thing throughout all of this is that the NBA is lionized as the most progressive sports league. And that's, that's both fine and, and true, but they knew who Donald Sterling was the the entire time and that something wasn't addressed. This isn't Adam Silver wasn't in charge during those years, but I'm also not saying Adam Silver is is a god at this point. It, it's not any one person's fault, but that's probably the most disappointing thing throughout all this is that the NBA and there are – when you just look at what the majority of the owners uh, in the NBA are, there's just this – this particular situation, there was a lot of enabling there by way of inaction. And let's be clear about one thing. There's still several owners within the NBA now that are super scummy. Right. That's the thing. And you look at it, it's all these mostly just these old white dudes or these factions of Caucasians who are, who are owning these, these teams. And that's, I, I, I mean, not even going into that sense. I mean, like, I mean, look at the whole Dallas Mavericks thing, you know, to be honest, Mark Cuban got off easy for all the stuff that went on under his watch as an owner, you know, like that's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff there and I'm not trying to say Cuban, I don't know him. I don't know if he's scummy or not, or, or anything like that. Obviously I'm not an investigative reporter and doing any of that stuff, but like that stuff came out, that's on his watch and that was his organization. And he got off very light on that sense. Um, you know, there's, there's several, several different ownership groups there where you're, I have a, I I'd be very, I, I think they'd all be very nervous if all of a sudden people started looking at them as, you know, very tightly and very closely, um, in that regard. So, you know, it's, it's just, this is the situation. Sterling isn't the only scumbag, you know, owner, like there's no question about it. I have, I have no doubt about it. I couldn't name, I have guesses on who I think might be, but like, that's, that's all just uh hearsay at this point. But like, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. And it's across the board. Same thing in the NFL. What was the, the owner of the, the Dolphins. Panthers? So was the, the, I think it was the Dolphins, right? Well, uh, the Dolphins with the whole Trump thing, but the owners of the Panthers, like whether it grabbing women's asses or something like that. Like, I mean, come and that was several years after Sterling. Like, I mean, we, there's, Listen, man, there's stuff Rich, everywhere. There's skeletons in every single closet. Right. And, 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 you know, let's just be honest, white billionaires, especially the older ones have a lot of them. And, 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 and there's a lot of questions if people really wanted to dig into all these guys. And what's probably most disturbing about this, again, trying to focus on this one issue, 
is that they weren't skeletons in the closet because this was just happening blatantly in front of everybody. And it was recurring behavior. Uh, he threw those those parties where everyone wore white and Donald Sterling would wear black and he paraded his players around like they were objects. There are stories about him bringing people into the locker room and telling them to touch his players' muscles. There's everything that happened with Elgin Baylor that I don't I don't know if you can actually put this on the league. I, I think it Ramona Shelburne said this on Zach Lewis podcast that he probably just went uh, with the wrong legal defense because it forced the league to have to defend Donald Sterling in that instance. And it when you're the when you're sort of running the team that's been the laughing stock of the NBA, it's not hard to prove that you you needed to be terminated by by merit. But just the whole stories with the what happened with Elgin Baylor, how he was underpaid, how he was treated there relative uh, when you're looking at pay specifically to all these other executives. These weren't skeletons in the closet. They were a status quo that went unaddressed for, for far too long. And, and that to me is probably among the many, many, many disappointing things about this entire thing. That may be what's most disappointing. Yeah. I mean, Sterling's was always a cheapskate. The organization itself was always cheap. I was severely underpaid as a head video coordinator. I was severely underpaid as an assistant video coordinator. Um, and that was across the whole organization really for the most part. Um, you know, he was all about just Sterling made losing profitable for the longest time. And that's kind of really was his, I hate to say his genius, but that really was his evil plan, you know, was like, he never really, he wanted to be bad. He wanted to be the the owner from major league, the woman who just wants to be so bad that she can move the team to Miami. He was never going to move the team. He just wanted to make a profit. And that's all he had to do. Um, he wanted to make a profit while it seems being like Jerry Buss. Yeah. And, and well, I mean, he didn't even care if we won or not. And then once he got the taste of winning a little bit in that run where they, in uh, it was actually the year before I got there when they lost to Phoenix in game seven and kind of saw like, wow, people really love me a lot more. It's a very egotistical thing, but people really love me a lot more once I, you know, if, if we start winning, like, man, we should go get players to help us win. So, I mean, there's a ton of stories about him and, and, you know, he's just a super bad dude at the end of the day. And you know what? And, and it is what it is. It's that the Clippers couldn't be in a better situation with what looks like a better owner, a better, what seems like a better human being in Steve Ballmer. Um, you know, like everything I hear is just how wonderful he is and things like it. it, it I, the organization itself is finally kind of moving forward in terms of how they're taking care of their support staff and things like that. I missed the train on that one, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, the, uh, but the whole thing, it's like it's moving in such a positive direction. So, you know, as, bad as that time was it really led to the Clippers are now a championship contender going into the season which is something we've never been able to say under the uh, Sterling era yeah they would be uh, a lot of people when the preseason when the preseason predictions start coming out are going to probably have them as title winners the last and final thing that I wanted to bring up to you is far more lighthearted. Washington Wizards coach Scott Brooks says Bradley Beal can average eight or nine assists per game next season my voice just cracked there wow that was pretty funny actually yeah that's that's puberty at the age of 30 going on four or 12 whatever it is 30 going on 12 fours fours too young for that what do you what what say you bradley beal can he average eight or nine assists after i hear your answer i'm going to give you an over under to pick that i think is more in line with with your opinion but do you think he can get that high next year no i just think it's i are the wizards even going to make that many shots I, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that go into it, right? Do you have guys that can make shots that can actually give you those assists? The, on top of it, too, is like, has he ever averaged more than like six assists a game? I'm, I mean, like, what's you? You have his averages up, so you're going to give me an over under and all that. So I'm not going to cheat or anything. But like, I can't imagine he's he's really had. No, last huge... year was his. I'll tell you, last year was his career high when he. I had him as an All NBA snub, but that was his All NBA season. Last year was his career high, and that was five point five. Okay, and, and that was in th- almost thirty-seven minutes a game. By the way, yeah, and you think he's gonna up that to eight or nine? Like that's I don't I don't buy that. No way. I think I, what, I don't see it. I think they would just have to say fuck it. We're playing him at point guard for 35, 37 minutes a game, and that's how it would happen. His mentality would have to change. My guess is he can't get there. That being said. 
this this roster, you have a Smith, you have Isaiah Thomas. How healthy will Isaiah Thomas be? John Wall probably won't play after next season. The ball handlers kind of end there. Is Smith, Isaiah Thomas, and and Bradley Beal. So if I were to set Bradley Beal's over under at at five point, if I put it at five point five, his la- his number um, last season, or slightly higher than last, no, five point five assists per game, like he had last season. Would you take the over or the under on that? What were his assist numbers through the the past few years? He has increased in each of the past four seasons. So I'll go since 2015, 2016, uh, 2.9 assists. Then there was 3.5 assists in 2016, 2017, 4.5 assists in 2017, 2018. And last season was 5.5 assists per game. His assist numbers have gone up as his minutes have, have increased. I mean, if you just do the per 36 minute breakdown, even over the last four seasons, it's been... 3.4, 3.6, 4.5, and 5.3. Okay, so um, I'll I'll take the over on 5.5, but he ain't getting to eight. Like I six and a half. You know, just because you make a great point of just there's no ball handlers. Right. Here's what's gonna happen if he first of all if he gets to eight, he's gonna make all NBA. And if by that point he has not signed an extension, which no one expects him to sign the three year extension, they can offer him now. He's going to be eligible for that five-year, two hundred and fifty-three point eight million dollar contract. If I'm the Wizards, I'm not saying I'm rooting against him averaging that many. That's just the fact of what's going to happen. If he's averaging eight assists per game, he's making All NBA. Yeah, no, for sure, and that's that's a hell of a year for the the Wizards, you know. Um, but I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I would be I would be surprised, but you got to appreciate Scott Brooks having faith in his own players. That'll do it for us. I think we carved out a pretty amazing pod. This will be the only podcast of this week, obviously, since we released it on a Friday. But we'll be coming back at you next week, and the content will be ramping up and a little bit more consistent as we get deeper into having actual NBA content to talk about in general. Until next time, though. I got a question. I got a question. Oh, boy. Question for you, Dan. When have you had a bad podcast? When have I had a bad podcast? How many yeah, times have we podcasted together by now? Would you say like a couple dozen, maybe like 15? They've all been great. And I, I'm going to beat you before you can try to say that, <laughs> you know, bad. Well, anytime I podcast with you. I, I will um, say there were probably bad podcasts when we first started a few years ago. And then I can get some, or I used to be able to get nervous interviewing guests. So if you go back like maybe a year or two, there are probably some pretty terrible podcasts with me and a guest because because I just get. I get like anxious like that. Yeah. I had one podcast where I was talking with somebody and the person was absolutely giving me nothing to the point that in the middle of the podcast, texting out one of texting, one of my friends during the podcast while recording going like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't think I can release this. Yeah. That's I've had interviews like that for pieces where I've been on a, I've written, it's fine when you're in, I won't say fine. It's still annoying when you have multiple players, when you're writing features, but when you're writing a feature, an article about one player, even when you're essentially doing that player a solid and you're getting the interview through a promotion that they're having. And you have to mention that you were interviewing them for, I don't even want to name products because then I feel like I'll be telling on people that's happened to, but when you can't, I've had, I've had to kill pieces collectively with, with my wonderful bosses at Bleacher Report where they're just, you got nothing from the subject. They clearly don't want to be doing it, which is fine. I know these guys talk to a zillion people, but that's the, that's, that's where I've run into the problem. All podcast guests though, I've never had that issue with. If anything, I'd say I'm the issue because I either talk a zillion miles an hour or too much, or my questions just weren't interesting enough. Yeah, no, I, I, I had that on the other end. It was like, oof. So, um, yeah, but let's, let's wrap it up, man. Until next time. I leave you with a shout out to the one and only Kyle Anderson. Skip over whoever Andy likes because that's how I roll. And Mo wow. will leave you with a shout out to my man, Jalen Brunson.